You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to this Thursday edition of the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, Now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. Well, it's Thursday. So good to have you with us. Please tag a friend. Let them know we're sharing today. It is going to be a blessing today. I'm convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're going to be blessed. And I'm so thankful thankful to you for sharing this time uh, with me. I began a series in our last session entitled Moving Past the Quit Zone. Moving Past the Quit Zone. All of us at some time are not felt like or have felt like quitting. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about moving past the quit zone. Our theme in this short series is how to keep disappointment, discouragement, and depression from aborting your dreams and derailing you. How to keep disappointment, discouragement, and depression from aborting your dreams and derailing you. The three parts to this series, three parts, we're talking about disappointment, part one. We're talking about discouragement, part two, and then we're talking about depression, part three. Each one of these parts, I'm uh, giving a subtopic. So we began last session on disappointment, and my subtopic was the surprise nobody wants. The surprise, and nobody wants disappointment. So this is our second and final lesson on disappointment. In lesson one, we talked about, okay, what is disappointment? We talked about the source of disappointment. We we talked about the importance that our response matters. And then we talked about mismanagement, the mismanagement of disappointment. And we looked specifically at Judas and how he mismanaged his disappointment and the mismanagement of his disappointment led to tragedy uh, in his life. In this second and final lesson, this is two lesson part. In this second part, we're going to talk about how to overcome our disappointments, how to properly process and manage Disappointment. How to overcome. How to overcome is our uh, subject today. Now, I want to use David as an illustration, and our background text is taken from 1 Samuel chapter 30, verses 2 through 4, verses 6 through 9, and verse 18. And I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. That's 1 Samuel. Chapter 30, verses 2 through 4, verses 6 through 9, and verse 18. The overview of what's going on, of the context of what's going on, David and his men 
have been out on an expedition. They come back to the city that they're living in at this time, Ziglag. And when they get back to Ziglag, the Amalekites has invaded the city, set the city on fire, and taken captive all of the families in the city. Now, listen at David and his man's response, beginning at verse 2, 2 through 4. It says, they had, this is after the Malachites had invaded the city and set the city on fire. It says, they had carried off the women and children and everyone else without killing anyone. When David and his men saw the ruins of the city and realized what had happened to their families, listen at this. The scripture says they wept until they could weep no more. This is David and 600 of his soldiers, fighting soldiers, bold, courageous soldiers. When they came into the city, and saw the city set on fire, saw all of their families missing. The Bible says David and these 600 men wept until they could not weep no more. That's extreme disappointment. Verses 6 through 9, it says, David was in great danger because all the men were very bitter at David about losing their sons and daughters, and they began to talk about stoning David. David's own men became bitter and were talking about stoning David. If it wasn't for you, David, we would have been home. We would have defended our families, but we lost our families because of you. They were talking about stoning David. But David found strength in the Lord, his God. Then he said to Abathar, the priest, bring me the ephod. So Abathar brought it. Then David asked the Lord, should I chase after the band of raiders? Should I chase after the band of raiders? Will I catch them? He's talking to the Lord. And the Lord told him, yes, go after them. And the Lord told him, you will surely recover everything that was taken from you. So David and his 600 men set out. You have the context. You have the historical context, the scenario. Now, we're talking about overcoming disappointments. And I want to take this situation and I want to give you seven keys to overcoming disappointments, seven keys to overcoming disappointments. Number one, and this is going to absolutely bless you. I'm convinced that I'm talking to some people right now who are disappointed. I believe some of you are disappointed. I believe some of you have desired certain things and have prayed about certain things and you believe for certain things and plan for th- certain things, 
you thought certain things would transpire and your expectations have not been realized. Let's talk about it. And disappointments uh, can fall from minor disappointments to extreme disappointments, like the death of a loved one. So how do we manage, process, how do we overcome disappointment? Number one, give yourself the right and the space to mourn. Give yourself, number one, the right and the space to mourn. Express your feelings to God. It's all right to tell God. It's all right to say to God, I'm hurting, I feel bad, I'm sad, I'm disappointed. Remember in our last session, we said that disappointment is not a sin. It's not a sin to be disappointed. So express your feelings to God. And remember, there's a difference between mourning and grieving. I taught a series that really was a transformative series entitled Weep Not. I taught this series because I had taught or shared or preached eulogies at many funerals, and the people said that the eulogies that I preached, the sermons blessed those who had loved ones to depart. So I felt led of the Spirit to share about overcoming grief and disappointment to my church. In other words, why wait till someone die, dies to prepare the congregation to overcome because death is a reality. So I taught this series and it was transformative. And my wife put the series in a book entitled Weep Not. You can order that book, go online to Mike Moore Ministries. Dot com. You can order that book, but it's a blessing. And I taught about the import, the difference between mourning and grieving. Now, let's quickly talk about mourning. Now, mourning is simply the normal process of expressing sadness after a significant loss. It could be the loss of a loved one, a person. It could be loss of an opportunity, the loss of your house, the loss of your job. But it's that feeling of sadness and the process that you go through when you have lost a significant someone or a significant thing. Mourning is temporary. Mourning is an emotional experience. And I taught that mourning is healthy and mourning is scriptural, but it's temporary. The Bible says that Jesus wept. So it's all right to cry. The Bible says that these men wept. They cried till they could cry no more. They wept till they could weep no more. So mourning is healthy. On the other hand, grieving is a spiritual experience. In fact, the Bible in Isaiah 61.3 calls it the spirit of heaviness. It is not a temporary experience. It is continual. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 7.10 that the sorrow of the world worketh death. In other words, grief uh, uh, follow you all the way to your grave. 
So grief must be resisted because it leads to despair, hopelessness, and keeps you from moving forward. So the first key to overcoming disappointment is to give yourself the right and the space to mourn. All 600 men, soldiers plus David, they cried. And it's all right to cry, men. If you're, you're a man listening to me, you know, we've been taught that men don't cry. But that's not true. That's not biblical. The Bible says that Jesus wept. So give yourself the right and the space to mourn. How do we overcome our disappointments? Number two, guard your heart and don't mismanage others' disappointment. Even if their disappointment is directed toward you. I said that again. Guard your heart and don't mismanage others' disappointment. Even if their disappointment is directed toward you. When we look at this text, we, we discover some principles that are so very important. The Bible says that these 600 men who followed J David, they became bitter and thought of stoning David. Now, listen, everyone is disappointed. David is disappointed. His family, his city, the place where he li lived was ruined. The 600 men, their city was ruined. Their families, David's families were taken captive. Their family was taken captive. So everybody is dealing with disappointment. But the 600 men were bitter, became bitter at David. So how do we overcome disappointment even when the disappointment is from others and their disappointment is directed toward you? Well, remember this. You keep bitterness out of your heart through forgiveness. You keep bitterness out of your heart through forgiveness. So everyone in this scenario, David and the 600 men, they're all disappointed. Different people process disappointment differently. So the unfortunately, the 600 men processed their disappointment in a negative fashion. They were bitter. Now watch this. They desired to stone David. Now, David had trained these 600 men. He had invested his life into these 600 men. In fact, in 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 2, these 600 men had come to David for leadership and mentorship. And when they came to David, the Bible says they were distressed, in debt, and discontented. So David had poured and developed and mentored and coached these 600 men. Yet at this point, they're thinking about stoning their leader. So David could have responded by being resentful of their thoughts about stoning him. But watch this. Rather than 
being resentful, David responded through understanding. You see, these 600 men had followed David into warfare, so he knew they were committed to him. But now they are simply speaking out of their pain. And sometimes people, they're speaking out of their pain. They're processing their disappointment in a negative way. And if we take their processing disappointment in a negative way and become resentful, now we have responded in the flesh rather than responding in the spirit. And David responded spiritually and the Bible says he went to the Lord. He went to the Lord. He didn't focus on those 600 men. He didn't, he didn't focus on the things they were saying. The Bible says that he went to the Lord, which leads us to the third key to overcoming disappointment. The third key is encourage yourself in the Lord. That's verse 6. The Bible says that David in the traditional King James encouraged himself in the Lord. You know, in other words, he engaged in positive word-based self-talk. Self-talk. And he began to thank the Lord and he inquired of the Lord. Sometimes you have to encourage yourself. Sometimes you have to draw on what's on the inside of you. Sometimes you will not be in a position to get encouragement from others. Sometimes others will not be in an emotional position to give you encouragement. So you have to encourage yourself in the Lord. You know, I um, I mentioned in, in one of my podcasts that some time ago I tested positive for uh, COVID-19. When I initially tested positive, I was disappointed. I'll think to myself, I have things to do. I have situations. I have responsibilities. I had verbally committed to do two funerals. I'm a pastor and, and a couple of people had uh, family members to depart and I had committed to do the funerals, and here I, I don't test the positive. I, I don't have time for this time. I'm thinking to myself, I, I don't have time for this. I don't have time to be quarantined. But I have a, uh, there's a, a quote that I've uh, tweeted out often. It's just with the thought that the Spirit of God gave me some time ago. And that thought is when things look bad, look for good. And you'll always find it. When things look bad, look for good. And you'll always find it. Now, notice what I did not say. I did not say when things are bad, look for good in the bad. Listen, I wasn't looking for good out of the bad. Because bad can only produce bad. 
and good can only produce good. The Bible even says, I think it's Isaiah 5, 21, war to them who call evil good and good evil. No, bad produces bad. Evil produces evil. When I say look for good, it, it's not looking in that bad situation for good, but it's looking in yourself, looking in your position, looking in your status as a believer, your, your privileges as a be. If you look for good, you'll find it. So here I tested positive. I'm initially disappointed. I made the decision to do the right thing. I'm going to quarantine. Then I began to think about all the good in my situation because others have uh, experienced a lot of tragedy as a result of COVID-19, and I want to make light of that. But in my situation, in quarantine, I began to think, listen, I don't even have major symptoms I don't have anything really that feels different than an ordinary cold or an ordinary symptoms. I have nothing that's major. I began to look for good. I, I realized that I live in a big house and my quarantine is like being in a suite because I got a bedroom here, a bathroom right next to the bedroom. And then my library where I do all my work is right next door. So I'm actually in my zone. I can sleep here. I can take showers here and, and it's all connected. I can walk right into my library and do my work. Then think about it. I was behind on certain things I needed to do, certain projects I wanted to do. Now I got time to do those things. I, I had things that I wanted to get done, sermons that I wanted to catch up on, and I had 11 days to do that. If we look for good, here I am a Christian. The Holy Spirit lives in me. I have the word. So I know that by Jesus stripes, I'm healed. I'm looking for good. I'm not trying to get healed. I know that I'm already healed. So I have no fear of dying. I'm not afraid. I'm looking for good. And I have a wife who's committed. She's bringing my meals and putting it at the door and consistent. And in fact, it was such a wonderful, advantageous 11 days of quarantine that when I got to the 10th day, my wife, Pete, that's her nickname said, well, you, you, um, you can test today. I said, no, no, I go another day. In fact, it ended up being a blessing. It wasn't the COVID-19 that was a blessing. It was me looking for good in my situation, my status with God, my physical surroundings, my condition, and I discovered it. So sometimes you just have to encourage yourself. People are not going to be in a position to encourage you. Sometimes emotionally, they're not going to be in a position. Sometimes just logistics, they're not going to be in a position. So you have to learn to encourage yourself in the Lord. Number four, how do I overcome my disappointment? Well, you run to God. You don't run from God. I've said that for years. You run to God. 
You don't run from God. You run to God. When you're disappointed, you run to God. You don't run from God. You run to God. It's a natural tendency when you're in trouble or disappointed, you isolate yourself. That's the wrong thing to do. You run to God. You run to him. Don't run from him. When we look at at David in this situation in verse 7 and verse 8, in our text, David submitted to God's order. He went to the priest. The priest represents the spiritual leadership. He went to church. He went to his pastor. He, 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 he went to where the word was. He went to where he could get direction. He didn't just isolate himself, stay at home and, and not connect with anyone who could speak into his life. No, he went to the priest, bring me the ephod. He went to God. He went to God. So many people, when they have pressure and disappointment, they stop going to church and they don't want to hear what the, the pastor says. That's the wrong thing. He went to God. Now listen at this. So he submitted to God's order. He went to the priest and then he asked God for two things, insight and direction, insight and direction. Should I chase after them? Will I cast them? In other words, he want to know, has the opportunity to pass? Sometimes you need to know. Sometimes the opportunity may pass. It may, and if the opportunity has passed, you're going to ask God for a new dream, a new goal, a new situation, and he'll help you there. And here's what God said. God said, go after them. You will recover everything. Now, what's the key in this situation, running to God and not from him? What is the key? The key is to have a faith-based relationship a faith-based relationship. In other words, your relationship with God should be based on what the Word says about God. And don't bring God down to the level of your experiences, the experiences of others. If God is good and the Scripture says He is, if God is faithful and the Scripture says He's faithful, uh, if every good and perfect gift comes from God and the Scripture says that, if God is light, and the scripture says he light, he's light and no darkness is in him, then we must believe that that's who God is and that's his character, that's his nature, not circumstances. You see, when you bring God down to the level of your human experience and your circumstances, sometimes God is going to be good and sometimes he's going to be bad. And he's really going to be bad when you're disappointed and your expectations are not realized. And if you judge God based off circumstances, what's happening in your life, then you're not going to run to God. You're going to run from him because you feel he's the problem. You're not going to go to God if you think he's the problem. Now, notice David's wives have been captured. His city where he lived has been burned with fire. He has experienced laws real laws. So he runs to God. He didn't get angry at God. I don't want to hear what the preacher said. I don't want to go to church. I don't want them folk telling me nothing. God let me down. You don't hear that. He ran to God and he said, God, should I chase after them? Should I, will I catch them? 
And God spoke back, yes, chase after them. You will recover all. You're going to get everything. Now, notice he ran to God, not from him, number four. Number five, how do I overcome my disappointment? You move forward on God's directions and don't be led by your disappointment. You move forward on God's direction. Go after them. You shall recover all. He moved out on God's directions. He was not led by his disappointment. Some people, they're led by their disappointment. They don't know it, but they are. They're making decisions. I quit this. I'm through with this. You can take this job and shove it. I'm getting a divorce. I'm doing this. They, they, they're led by their disappointment. They're making impulsive decisions, decisions because they're led by their disappointment. No, move forward on God's direction. Don't be led by your disappointment. You see, God doesn't want us to get stuck in our disappointment. When we focus on the disappointment, it creates self-pity. Self-pity absolves us of making the right decision. If we focus on the disappointment, it's going to lead to self-pity. But if we focus on the directions, you go to God, you get directions, you spend time with God to find out how, what should I do in this situation? I'm disappointed. I want to know how you see it. I want to know, should I chase? Should I continue? Should I believe for this same thing? Or has this opportunity to pass? If it's past, I want a new goal, a new dream, a new new something. I want something good. But notice, he moved out on the directions. He focused on the directions, and it produced progress. It produced success. Number six, how do I overcome disappointment? Now, this is going to be strange, but I want you to listen. I'll put some balance to it. How do I overcome my disappointment? You give those who disappointed you another chance. You give those who, <laughs> that disappointed you another chance. Now, listen at this. In this text, and I'm going to balance it now. I'm going to balance it. In this text that I've given you, 1 Samuel 30, the scripture says, in verse 6, that the six man, the 600 men spoke of stoning David. In verse 9, it says, David and the 600 men set out to chase the raiders. So somewhere in between, there was some reconciliation because one minute, verse 6, they're thinking about stoning him. Then verse 9, they're actually back connected, reconciled, and they're moving forward to recapture their loved ones and their possessions. Now, listen, sometimes... The opportunity has passed. Let's say there's a death of a loved one. The loved one has died. Let's say your spouse gets a divorce and remarried. That opportunity has 
past. Let's say it's a toxic relationship. No, you don't want to give that situation another chance if the person hadn't repented, gone through counsel, and changed. No, I'm not saying give everyone a, uh, a, another chance who disappoint you. Here's what I'm asking. You got to think big picture, and that's what David was doing. You got to think big picture and not just the event. You were disappointed. You were hurt. You got to think big picture. You were disappointed. You were hurt. You were, and here's the question you have to ask. Here's the question. And, and this will qualify whether or not you're going to give those who disappointed you another chance. Now, listen carefully to this. This is profound now. Here's the question you have to ask. Was the relationship a part of God's destiny plan for your life? That's what you got to ask. Was the relationship, those who disappointed me, we're going to give them a, another chance. But before we give people another chance, we're going to ask ourselves the question, was that relationship I had with these individuals a part of God's destiny plan? Okay. If that's the answer to that is yes, then I am going, you are going to give those who disappointed you another chance. Now, listen at this. Those 600 men were a part of God's destiny plan for David. And he gave them another chance, even though they had thought of stoning him. They reconciled, went forth together in battle, recaptured everything and had a great victory. Jesus did the same thing in Mark chapter 16, Mark 16, verse 7. Peter, after Jesus spent three and a half years pouring into him, Peter was a leader among the disciples, and yet at a critical moment, a moment of test, Peter denied Jesus three times cursed and swore that he didn't know Jesus. And yet in Mark 16, verse 7, Jesus, after his resurrection, told the women, told the disciple, told the women, go and tell the disciples and Peter to meet me in Galilee. Now think about that. The, the, the angel speaking for God gave Mary instructions, and Mary were to go and tell the disciples, and that's what Jesus says, and Peter. I want you to tell the disciples and Peter to meet me in Galilee. Even though Peter had denied Jesus three times, Jesus gave Peter another chance because Peter was a part of God's, Jesus Christ's destiny plan. And then finally, number seven, expect God to honor his promises. Expect God to honor his promises. Yes, David, go after them. You will surely recover everything that was taken. David expected God to honor his promises. And guess what? You and I have a promise and it is the foundation of my podcast. 
2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, Now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. So number seven, expect God to honor that. You always triumph. Ultimately, you win. Ultimately, if you don't cast away your confidence, if you don't quit, ultimately, you will win because God promised, he promised that we always triumph. We always win in Christ. So how do we overcome our disappointments? I'll review. Number one, give yourself the right and space to mourn. Number two, guard your heart. Don't mismanage others' disappointment, even if their disappointment is directed toward you. Number three, encourage yourself in the Lord. Number four, run to God. Don't run from him. Number five, move forward on God's promises and don't be led by your disappointment. Number six, give those who disappointed you another chance. And then number seven, expect God to honor his promises. I trust that you've been blessed today. Listen, we just finished part one, moving past the quit zone. Part one, we talked about disappointment. If we don't manage our disappointment, we end up in discouragement. So in our next session, we're going to be talking about discouragement. Thank you for uh, sharing this time with me. I pray that you be blessed. I speak blessings. Pray that you be successful the entire rest of the week. I love you, and I'll see you next time. 